Destulao, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Monegasque for sorry. I was about to say, Desolé is sorry in French, so the Monegasque is just put a little ow on the end. I could be pronouncing it incredibly wrong, but it is L-A-U, so I'm going to go with Lao yeah. there. Uh, sorry, a phrase I'm sure Charles Leclerc expected to hear after the race this weekend. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm doing well. Thank you for holding up the fort. Is that a phrase? Last week, I was you in Los Angeles. Held down the fort. Um, I watched the Grand Prix from a hotel. It was a good time, uh, especially because I tuned in two hours later, which didn't seem to matter in the end. <laughs> also joining us, Rob Zachney. How are you, Rob? Not too bad. Uh, just savoring what was one of the most entertaining and perhaps the last Monaco oh my God. Grand Prix. I will ever see. Wow. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. And if you are new to Formula One itself, we've got an episode just for you. Our preseason primer assumes no prior F1 knowledge and explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you want to get up to speed on everything, you can go back and listen to episode 178. Also, the show is supported entirely by our audience over at patreon.com slash shiftf1, where every month we release bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all of that fun stuff, head over to patreon.com slash shiftf1 or click the link in the show notes. What do we have going on this month, Danny? Uh, the wine tasting video is finally going up. Circadema, who sent us uh, the terrific uh, Daniel Ricard, Daniel Ricardo wine, which we drank in the back, uh, our my backyard, uh, two weeks ago. Now I think um, it's beautifully uh, uh, edited and shot and everything, and it'll be up for our media pass patrons real soon. And we haven't figured out what we're doing for June yet, but um, uh, we'll we'll have a cool patron exclusive podcast. Uh, for everyone in the next couple of weeks too and of course thank you to all of our incredible title sponsors including michael mavs gordy's army indie winter at talking autos tanner mcleave wealth energy Ooh, mm. olivia evans team blackjack pyrites card castle erica siegel iron station studios alan mccrary telemetryduck.com gnarly goat david mule Drew stewart Bailey Foot, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, Octothorpe Bunny Crimes, Your Top Six Dot Games, Snigs, Alex Couché, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Humberto Rocco, William Romph, and Jason Kelly. That's the crew. Fantastic. Thank you to everyone for joining us on our livery. Uh, let's jump into the Monaco Grand Prix. I have just returned from the woods. Uh, and only just like minutes before this podcast uh, started recording, finished watching the race. So oh, wow. uh, I do not have my usual uh, copious notes. So I'm going to throw the play-by-play over to the intrepid Rob Zachney. Yeah. Roberto. Uh, so I guess we might as well start with some of the weirdness that happened in Quali because in some ways it's set. Yeah. Quali set a tone for the weekend. But also maybe set up some confounding expectations uh, for what was going to happen this weekend. I think maybe the most – one of the things that jumped out at me – and Danny, I don't know if you caught this part, but there was a phantom red flag thrown during yeah, qualifying. That was wild. Yeah. Uh, it was oh, in one I, so of the I only marks. watched the highlights here. I did not see that. So uh, you know when you come out of the tunnel, you hit the harbor chicane. And it's real tight if, you, like, if, you're, if you're hitting it like just right – 
you're going to sort of graze the uh, armco barrier on the left hand side of that chicane, and it's a it's a pretty much matter of millimeters. Uh, and I think it was Yuki Tsunoda got it yeah. wrong and sideswiped that barrier pretty hard. Uh, it's pretty dramatic, like it uh, like blew up the the wheel uh, pr- pretty much, like shattered the like metal ceramic. Uh, that that is, that makes up the wheel, uh, sent parts everywhere. But like that being said, wasn't a show-stopping uh accident. Like he sort of no, went onto the pits. Yeah, he slowed down for like a little second, almost like he was getting into the right gear because of how bad, more, much he'd slowed down. Uh, and yeah, he was away. But like, I guess he would have been. It was a nasty place to like slow down because he was basically unsighted for anyone coming out of the tunnel. Um, but yeah. The marshal just kind of picked up a red flag, and isn't isn't the rule that if a one a red flag gets waved, yeah, minute, one of them it's you, just done. The minute a red yeah. flag is shown, mm. it's like uh, a samurai sword. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, ra- yeah. Race control has to immediately throw the entire race to a red flag, uh, and that really did like compromise some people's times. Uh, it set up a like because this only happened with uh, just like a, six minutes left or something. Yeah, in like in like Q two, right? Um, oh, was it? Oh, okay. I forget. I thought it was three, but yeah, because I think it was. I think it was the thing that determined whether or not Gasly went through, right? Uh, because he, like Yuki, gets back to the pits. They right. put a new wheel on, but like, there's only about two twenty five left, and so the only cars that made it around on their outlap to start the to start the uh, the the uh, quali lap were the ones who basically stacked up at pit exit, people who rolled out after and joined the queue, uh, like just missed it. And it was really cruel in Gasly's case because literally as he's sprinting to the line, like as he's crossing under right. the lights, they go red. Uh, and so his lap to lift himself out of, uh, out of the, above the cutoff uh, doesn't, doesn't come through. Yuki gets through. Um and that's a that's a good time collusion and goes through but yeah that was um that was sort of a chaotic element sort of tossed into the middle of this I I do kind of wonder I know there's a lot of flavors of colorblindness I do also wonder you know Marshall's overwhelmingly men <laughs> oh, like boy. inevitably <laughs> someone's going to grab the wrong flag right do they do they oh. check like is there a little system where like uh they've got like okay this one for real though this one's this one's red he's going um, for double waves reds <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, oops it was uh it, it was unfortunate but the q3 also had some uh eventful stuff first of all the ferraris looked like they had terrific pace mm. um and leclerc was being pursued by the red bulls they were they were they looked like they might be uh threatening his his lap for p1 um but it's really dramatic is he was entering uh the tunnel behind him in the frame you could see sergio perez like drifting sideways uh through the through the corner and ends up sort of broadsides uh stuck near the just outside the entrance of the tunnel and then a second later um like carlos comes along and just kind of uh also does the same thing as he's trying to sort of find the gap between the on the right hand side of the track tries to find the gap Mm. between uh the wall and sergio's car and ends up just throwing it into an identical skid um and firmly like bottling up the track 
and then an entire queue of cars uh, forms forms behind them. <laughs> and then I guess Alonso sensing the sort of crash happening because of his amazing F1 powers um, just decided to also crash his car separately a couple of turns earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's like somebody <laughs> throwing on their uh, brake lights early to make sure that everyone like slows up safely. But he just did exactly. it with his whole car. Like, yeah, I don't he want you guys on, to get yeah. in trouble. Uh, he was on the radio to his engineer. They were telling him about the crash ahead, and he was like, ah, don't worry about it, I crashed too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but it didn't matter. So Leclerc's lap was was aborted because there was a red flag, but it didn't really matter. He, he'd already set a pole lap. He was just denied the chance to set a uh, faster one. And so it gave us a grid of uh, up front Ferrari lockout. Uh, it goes Leclerc, Sainz, Perez, the... Uh, you know the 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 mistake in that corner, uh, notwithstanding Perez lining up P three uh, behind him for Stappen, Norris, uh, Russell, Alonso, Hamilton down in eighth, uh, Vettel having had a pretty good qualifying, uh, getting through to ninth, Ocon uh, down in tenth, and then it is uh, Yuki, Valtteri, uh, Kevin Magnussen, Daniel Ricciardo, Mick Schumacher, Alex Albon, Pierre Gasly, Lance Stroll, and Nicholas Latifi and Joe Guanyu. Um, so that is the starting grid, but it's not going to be a normal start, uh, in F1. And I've got to say, so did either, so did either of you watch this live or you both sort of, again, caught highlights? I watched it not live until I caught up okay. and I watched basically the start of the real race. Live. So I watched so. the replay and, and fast forwarded through all the. Right, yeah. I, I got to skip most of this stuff because I could see what was happening. Uh, Drew, to be clear, you did make sure to not watch Boxton's commentary. You switched back to the Sky commentators? Yes. Yeah, because no, you can't even, don't even listen to Boxton. Uh, oh. Can't be done. Oh. He's just not, like, like bring, bra- bring back little Br- Brundle. Uh, yeah, he's really it, like, good. Many Brundle's great. The whole PLC crew were good, and like the the Brundle, uh, the uh, Buxton and Julianne Palmer thing is just a weird combo. Buxton is not a play by play guy; it's a different skill set. I don't know what they're doing, but uh, but if you watch like either one, so the morning of the race, um, really weird weather was brewing up, pretty much on top of the track. You know, there's those huge bluffs. Uh, like just uh, just outside the harbor. And so they had rainstorms uh, developing pretty much like on that plateau and then coming over the track. And there was a lot of mystery about the delayed start. And I got I to say, like, if you watched it live, the high dudgeon, the commentators, particularly like Brundle, were in over this delayed start was really weird. It was very, like, to me, the tenor of this, and I think F1 pundits, I think, you know, throughout the next day, the vibe in the F1 punditography over this delayed start is very much like I demand to see the manager of F1. I kind of felt that way, too, when mm. I was when I was tuning in, because I was like, oh, this looks, Monaco's boring. This looks fun. They're going to start them <laughs> on the rain. Throw the chaos, uh, uh, you know, uh, talisman in here, and, and let's... Let's go racing. And I think the fact that it was the second time that this particular race director had done it, which they mentioned more than one time, at least in the very short uh, minutes I was uh, not skipping through this part. Um, 
I was kind of the same way. I was like, "Fucking, let's go!" Monaco's so boring. This could be fun. Like, don't, don't. Oh, see, don't, I was. It's not I even raining yet. But the thing is, so. But the thing is, so they start under. Uh, they they start under caution. They have the uh, safety car lead them out. Like half an hour later, or an hour later, and a half an hour later. They were maybe? already late. I feel like it was twenty minutes, half hour. Okay. And they get rolling, and then they pull into the pits. They red flag the session. They don't start the race. Uh, well, the rain is kicked. Gets crazy. Then, that's because right? yeah, because this point a torrential downpour starts, and yeah. they wait that out. And it is like just uh, complete like squall conditions. Uh, now imagine, like, imagine if it was the twentieth lap and that happened. <laughs> like that's where I was like, come on. And see, for like, me, just, I'm just like I don't like. For me, it was like that race. Like that race would have sucked worse in my view like it would have been 20 cars slowly cautiously like negotiating treacherous conditions yeah. and then like the race gets red flagged out anyway and they all pull into the pits and nothing like nothing happens like in like to my way of thinking if they anticipated this like squall was coming and then the weather was going to clear to me delaying the start made sense but like mm. you had brundle being like these guys are trained to race in any conditions like let them go this is this is what we're we're here for we've learned I felt the we've same learned way. nothing from from spot nothing i felt the same way because the only overtaking you get and the only taking we got in this race is when you have people in like okay sometimes mixed tire conditions is basically the actual reason but it's also like people being like i have nothing to lose i'm gonna send it i'm in 14th i need to get in the top 10 i'm gonna send it i'm gonna go to any inside and it wasn't like raining that bad at the start it wasn't like crazy 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 it was only raining afterwards when they decided to start the race weirdly and then right when the downpour happened so i don't know i was i was i was in a similar spot i was like if this is a boring ass monaco now because of this but at least it was still wet when they started right yeah but i just well technically they so they didn't those first few laps that they did only 20 minutes after the session was supposed to start they were just formation laps there were formation laps but didn't count toward the race not the lap count, but the timer, I think, still goes. The two-hour timer. I don't think The timer so. kicked in at lap 35. They weren't timing right. the race. Oh. What do you mean, it kicked in at 35? They were running full... They were going for full length race distance, it looked like. And then, at lap 35, they roll over into the... Oh, this is not going to complete in the allotted time. And oh. so that's where, like, yeah. it doesn't look like a decision was made in advance to make it be a timed oh, race. Um, huh. nor did well, it, no. Uh, I thought yeah, all Danny's races, just wondering whether yeah. when, when they start the two-hour clock. Yeah, they, they start that anyway, right? Like I don't I don't know that they did. I think really? they may have started it um, once they came out of the pits the second time. Okay. But right. I guess it doesn't matter. Well, the other thing was they didn't do a, a standing restart. And there's some question yeah. about what was going on there. And it turns out that somewhere in all those storms, uh, a power cut hit the grid, and oh. the uh, the start system basically like shut down. Oh, that's huh. wild. and so they had to start it rolling because if you think about it, that is now the only safe way to do it because that is all relying on like the pace car pulls off. Uh, you know, somebody else has control of race pace. There's flags. It's all it's all analog basically. Your nightmare is that the electronic system fails, flags are waving green, the lights aren't showing, uh, the lights don't go off like they're supposed to, and you have like inconsistent uh, instructions being presented across the grid. So uh, that is why they went to a uh, rolling a rolling restart because these these technical glitches 
Um, but yeah, it just ended up being a, a weird day for uh, race direction, uh, which was under uh, Eduardo Freitas uh, once again. And not the only time that race direction slash stewarding would uh, come under some scrutiny here and, and remains under scrutiny uh, in the wake of the race. But but Danny, once uh, once we start shaking out our galoshes and uh, dumped out our bucket hats, um, I want to take <laughs> us through the start here. God, I, I'm trying to remember what happened at the start because because of the rolling start, there was no like fight for position um, that no, I can remember. No, pretty much rolled off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Latifi. I think on one of those oh. outlaps or whatever you want to call them, he kind of hit a weird Stroll one. Too. It was, uh, both the yeah, pay drivers the, uh, had uh, <laughs> both, both the Canadians. pay drivers sort of put a foot wrong. Canadian, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was I was trying to get I, I was trying to read up on Latifi's one because afterwards I read an interview with him where he said that once he had hit the brakes, once he had like lifted off the brakes to turn at the Lowe's hairpin, that he said he got a bit of power, like almost like the car accelerated on its own, which I'm sure oh, no. didn't happen, right? But but I was just trying to figure out what what could have happened, like maybe because it's a maybe grip was weird and it was it's a downhill weird thing, so maybe when he lifted off the brakes, like a bit more spin happened or something i couldn't tell what it was but yeah he was able to thankfully he was able to reverse out and and keep going um and then yeah stroll i think within a couple of seconds also had a a tap around there as well yeah um but basically the first i have zero notes for the first like almost 10 laps and um it's just everyone trying to make their way around i will say as well like there was a couple of crashes in practice mm-hmm. and quali obviously had a couple as well and i think the tension coming into this now being a wet race where everyone's on wet tires at the start like you could tell that the there was the the, the nerves of when we swap onto inters and also there was it just normally being a monaco race was the the general idea with monaco is just survive if you're in the points and you'll you'll do all right and maybe someone in front of you might not and then you'll gain a couple of positions but like kind of err on the side of caution a little bit and i i felt that energy when i was this, watching it at this stage this for what it is worth is why i do come around to the whole like the delayed start thing worked out really well because they didn't they had an uninterrupted race except for an accident <laughs> that all took place in these really dynamic, uh, tricky conditions. And so, Mm. like, in terms of just, like, outcome, I do feel like, in the end, the results kind of speak for themselves, uh, which is that this ends up being a pretty entertaining Monaco. Wouldn't that have happened anyway, just later in the race? I don't think so. Well, I think so. I I, I hear what you're saying, like, the the latter half of this race. Yeah, I no, and I I get what you're saying, like... It is true that, that like it would have happened later in the race. I, I'm not going to lie. After lap 35, when they go to the timed race, it starts feeling a bit rote. Maybe right. when you have, uh, if it's later in the race, you have these conditions cropping up. That could be really interesting. Uh, but my suspicion is it would have just been a shit show in that downpour. Um, right. And on those conditions, but not a good <laughs> shit awesome. show. It's like it's a single lane Dur- road where people are filing around. Like it's not necess- It's not going to be like Senna at Donington in the rain. It's- no, but you, but one of our best races ever in recent memory is that Germany 2020, I want to say, which was like nobody was f- racing each other. They were all racing the track. 
And you know, <laughs> yeah, what I mean? but like, it was ne- because, the- but it, but also one of the stars of that was a generous <laughs> and very bizarre runoff area. That's true. Uh, it like the, like <laughs> which, I, to- which took them out of the way. I, 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 I do tend saying. to think. <laughs> I do tend to think like watching guys negotiate a car park slip and slide uh, scale race would have been. Uh, mediocre, but either way, conditions are evolving out there. Uh, and Gasly is like, I think, one of the first guys to go to Inters really early, and he becomes kind yeah. of the bellwether for how is the track ready for Inters? And the answer is no. Um, he is visibly sort of struggling around the track, um, he's having a lot of like near misses, but uh, like about lap five, it doesn't take long. He ends up setting fastest lap, and you start hearing all the uh, like engineers getting on the radio to their drivers, being like, "So, how's it feel to you? You feel like it might be ready?" And I love these is that, like race engineers ask the most leading questions, like just, <laughs> "Hey, your comfort first, but do you think think it might be ready for inners? Think it might be time to get off the slow tire?" Your Honor, he's leading the witness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it doesn't take long before like the first people to make the move are obviously Danny to your point like the people who are a bit more of the, the chancers in this where it's like <laughs> yeah. we want to make up some ground so Vettel and Tsunoda uh, come in lap 7 uh, for uh, for enters um, we got some good duels happening on the on the track and by the way I think, like, for me, it'd be hard-pressed to give a stronger endorsement to, uh, like, the new Aero package once again than the fact that, like, you got Russell really riding Norris's gearbox uh, in these early stages of the race. Cars are following each other closer yeah. than I've seen at Monaco, like, ever. Totally. And they're bigger, heavier cars, and it doesn't matter. They're able to follow so closely. Uh, Russell has a moment, uh, like, heading down into the chicane, uh, lap eight. Um and by like lap ten, uh, like Gasly clearly has just like tons of pace. His problem is he's being stymied by uh, Guan Yu Zhou. Uh, so we have a pretty good we have a pretty good duel there. Uh, and Gasly just like gets in the guy's head until uh, Joe misses the harbor chicane. And yeah. straight lines through and is obliged to well, actually he is obliged to give the position back. Gasly doesn't wait for the position to be just mm. like seated. He ends up it looked to me like before Joe could be instructed to hand the position back, Gasly kind of like forced the issue. Yeah, he did it in Marish. Um uh yeah, right before the chicane, uh, I think, or the the um Lowe's hairpin. Um and then does it almost the same way to Ricardo yeah. two laps later? Well, a different place. It was a it was a swimming pool, I think. But yeah, it was another like, yeah, uh, you could tell different strategy, different tires. But yeah, yeah, some of the only overtaking we enjoy during the day, maybe as well. Yeah, Gasly. Like we saw a lot of our close driving, but Gasly's the guy who seems to get the mismatches uh, where he could. Mm-hmm. Like it was some good racecraft, but also it seemed like that. Uh, Alvatore was better than these cars he was racing against, mm. um, and was able to. Which pull stands to reason because he he you know he got the the short end of the stick in qualifying, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's flag. a bit out of position, and then Ricardo is just like Ricardo's just having a time, man. <sighs> oh, boy. I know, right? It continues. <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Just man, you never had it so good with Cyril. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like shit. Just want him back. 
so around lap 15, uh, Gasly's now pretty, like, once he's in clear air, he's setting uh, fast laps again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and this is where things start getting pretty uh, strategic, a little bit chaotic. So the guys running in the wet, guys running wets, the track no longer suits the wets as well. It's time to get off them. But a lot of the guys running wets are being told, well, if we just hold out longer, we can do this once and pit for dries. Um, And so you have kind of a tension between people who are uh, like hitting the pits now to get on the inters, which are the uh, like prime tire at this moment. Uh, Or you've got the people who are just trying to grind it out to make one switch uh, over onto slicks. Uh, Hamilton, uh, I think like end of, I think Hamilton on lap 16 goes in for enters. Uh, lap 17, uh, Perez goes to enters. And this is where it all goes so wrong for Ferrari. Like the thing I've been like really outlined here is that Ferrari and especially Claire are comfortably in the lead of this race. Yeah. Um, they're not, they're not under a lot of pressure and I am just curious what you all made of the, Series of strategic calls or miscues that happen uh, in this cycle of pits between like Ferrari and Red Bull, starting with Perez coming in uh, on lap 17 uh, for those for those enters. Yeah, my feeling here was that in real time, I was worried that Ferrari were doing kind of what what we've seen them do a few times over the past few years. And I can't tell if this is like an internal sort of narrative that I've given myself and I'm just sensitive to it now when I see it happening or whether it's true but they always seem to be kind of like the way we've criticized Mercedes last season where like Red Bull are very proactive with their decision making and they end up sort of being the I don't know taste setters for everyone else they sort of force people into strategies um whereas Ferrari I have seen lose races because of inaction a lot or lose positions or have their drivers crash into each other or whatever it is because they just didn't get on and tell them what to do. And it seemed like waiting for the dry was the sort of the the thing you do if you're in 15th, the outsider, I need to make up some places. You know, track position is really important. Track position in Monaco could not be more important. Yeah. So the only thing I was thinking was that there's some maybe they're worried that if they have to do the pit first that they'll be stuck behind the the Red Bulls who have to pitch at and then maybe they'll slow them down or figure out some way around. But like, there was no way in my mind, I could not figure out a way in which that was more dangerous than seeding track position at Monaco when when you don't know which tires and also a red flag can happen literally in any moment. Like it's, it's like our, our safety car or any, it's like, almost a surefire thing that's going to happen at some stage and you do not want to be out of like pit strategy or not in front when that happens um so it seemed crazy and then i mean the problem was i guess that they brought in leclerc for inters uh, a lap after him which already leclerc came out behind perez which was uh and behind it ends um, up being like I think it ends up being like signs two laps because yeah because the way because it is right oh okay because like it's a- it's the weird way like because like zero is a number as far as I think the way we're counting this right, <laughs> right. so it is yeah, yeah yeah so it's Perez <laughs> comes out on an out lap that's pretty good and then the following lap Perez is at race pace and now we are on Leclerc's in lap yeah and Autosport had a good breakdown uh, it's an 
it's a seven second difference uh, between them on that lap with Perez setting a 125 on the inters and Leclerc uh, like setting a 132. Which we know doesn't happen on that first lap with these tires and cars, right? Like it does take them. Like the the right. undercut is, kind of sucks on this one because yeah because the first lap is bad usually right. if so they reacted lap, faster if they had right. done what you said which is like bring him in immediately uh, in response I don't know maybe it goes differently but the fact that they waited that extra lap and like spotted the Red Bull seven seconds uh, like up a temperature um, would have been a bad place before we get to the really bad thing that happened but uh, Drew yeah. I'm curious like that how lose- you how, how you sort of yeah. uh, how this all scanned to you. Yeah, I, I I think Denny, you're right. Like it's it pays to be, especially when you're leading. It pays so much to be conservative here. So just cover off your your enemies here with exactly what they do and come out. Don't try to do anything fancy, you know. Especially in these inclement conditions, if you're waiting for your your you know your rivals to do something, um, you know, if if you're not being proactive, you're being reactive. Then react. And and do it consistently and and conservatively. I, I don't know why you try to mess with that. And I think they knew once that had happened. Once Perez was in front and Sainz is now leading, I guess, but he still has to pit. I think they knew that they had like screwed the pooch. And I like how badly they had. I think I, I wonder if that sort of lack of what do we do now is what led to what happened next. Because you have to imagine in the scenario before the race even started. There are some races where getting maximum points haul is really important. The Constructor Championship is super important to Ferrari. Arguably, they'd want to win that more than have one of the drivers win the championship. I would kind of feel. Ferrari are kind of go that way. And it means it means a lot, right? But you cannot, with the amount of history that's happening here, with Leclerc, the son of Monaco, leading this race, having what happened last year, where he, you know, didn't even start the race because of, uh, you know, problems with the car. Like, the strategy this week has to be get Charles to win this race. It does not matter about, like, use Carlos to get Charles to win this race, surely. Like, that is the most important thing. He's on a 58-year contract. He's not going anywhere. (laughs) He's the face of your thing. Keep him happy. And... I wonder if, like, suddenly the neurons are firing, like, oh, no, what have we done? You know, uh, you know, I've been caught with my pants down. I need I to mean, fix this. And it, now I'm thinking, like, science is, is started second, running in second. Uh, if you want to get weird with strategy, he's your guy to, to, yeah. to do it with. You know, or if if you're if you're not going to be proactive with Charles, do it with Carlos, you oh. know? Or like that's how that's how much you can be proactive with Charles is then you just have Carlos sandbag on that one lap, you know what I mean? Slow yeah. them down. I, I forget what the gap was at that stage. I don't think it was all that much, but like you can easily use Carlos to cover off Charles in that scenario. I was kind of thinking like I probably would have activated the Carlos moving chicane uh, strategy totally. and, more and than. He's never- like he's never I, I feel like like asking a car a driver to like secede position or to slow down so that the other person can get a gap. I think in any other scenario, maybe that causes a problem. I don't even think I don't think Carlos Sainz gives a shit. This is the Monaco Grand Prix and it's Charles. I even think that in that position he'd be more than willing to do it. Just because 
of what the race is. And also it's Monaco. He's never getting past him. He's not gonna he's not gonna throw it down the inside <laughs> at his right. teammates at Monaco at his home race. You know what I mean? He's never the only way he's gonna win this, I guess, is on a tire strategy call. Which I maybe he was maybe he was proactive though. Maybe this is what happened next is that he went, throw me on. But then should they have done that? Well I think <laughs> you, know? you know, it's I'm I'm kinda with you but like I think Ferrari is a team it's sort of like um, I feel like in this NBA playoffs, right? Like it's one of the narratives is you have a lot of like teams that are like either dynasties or dynasty adjacent teams that have been there before versus teams that are trying to make their way to a first uh, like NBA finals, right? And so one of the right. narratives is like one of the differences is that the team like the 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 bonus that veterans get is like they just don't get shaken under the yeah. like mounting pressure of these situations the way like younger teams do and i feel like ferrari just hasn't been here in a while uh with with these kinds of stakes like mm. not only that but like in a place where arguably they have the better car right like like they're they're calling races from a position of strength and uh they're they're struggling to adapt to that but still like i think we enter meltdown mode here oh uh, my meltdown God. may uh, arrives late for ferrari <laughs> because what we have is so yeah leclerc is disadvantaged by the pit stop he comes out in third behind uh carlos and then So, Signs comes in to go to Slicks, and then it sounds to me like Ferrari, we, we hear at the end of a radio transmission with Ferrari trying to wave off Charles as he is coming into the pits for a double stack. Uh, so now it is lap 22. He literally just went out there on the inters. Yeah. And now they're bringing him in for hards. And the last thing we hear is Ferrari being like, stay out, stay out, stay out. And then you hear... Uh, Carlos doing his best, best Darth Vader, like no, uh, like you mean you mean Charles? Uh, Charles, yeah. Um, realizing that, like you know, he got he's doing a slow double stack, and like arguably they, at the last minute they realized he shouldn't even be doing it. Um, but that well and truly, call, I think they called sad. him in on the penultimate corner. It was super fast that they like brought him in, and then no, 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 don't do it. He also lost point five in the pit stop exchange. He had a three. Carlos said a two five, um, yeah. Which that, that's the that's the penalty you pay for being stacked up, yeah. yeah. And which which ultimately becomes the problem because they come out and it's so obviously you had Perez leading the race at that stage who's pitted, then you have signs out, but then uh, Verstappen, yep, manages to plug that hole. He's obviously I forget when he pitted, maybe the lap after the lap Checo later, did, yeah, and it was oh, yeah. like, but yeah, it came up you know comfortably in place, yeah. So then you have a Red Bull Ferrari, Red Bull Ferrari, and yeah. suddenly Checo Perez is leading the Monaco Grand Prix. So there's one other thing that comes up here, uh, sort of a lingering story that came into today. Um, in this exchange, yeah, so it works out to the benefit of Red Bull. They kind of leapfrog uh, the Ferraris in all this. But... It looks like from the camera angles that they also get their wheels over the pit, uh, the the sort of um, exit line, like exit line, yeah. And Ferrari protests after the race, saying like, "Hey, wait, there should be a penalty because we've operated for about two years under a framework where you stay 
out of the track. You stay outside that line until you sort of blend in, uh, you know, at the, at the, at the merge point and both Red Bulls, uh, got on that line, uh, and put wheels over. And this part is a little, it, it's a little ticky tacky. So I like apologies if I get this mm. wrong a little bit, but this is where it does look like, uh, like Freitas was misapplying a rule uh, okay. where basically he was taking guidance from the last time this came up uh, back at Istanbul like two years ago. Verstappen went over the line with a, I don't know how much, but he, but he went over the line uh, with a good portion of his car and there was a rule clarification handed down saying what we just described. Don't t- even touch that line. Stay in the pit exit lane do not even like flirt with that line or like putting some of your car back in the, in the racing line. That was the rule in place last year. Um, and that is in the race director's guidance that he hands out before each race. This is something that Freitas apparently literally cut and pasted from previous race direction notes, uh, to hand out to the drivers for this race. When the Red Bulls both do this, uh, on their pit exit, uh, Ferrari after the race says there should have been a penalty, and there isn't a penalty. Uh, the the like stewards kind of dismiss it, uh, no action taken, and the reason they give is that while it is true that the race director's notes and the way this rule has been applied in F one for the last couple of years has said don't even touch that line, the international sporting uh, code for uh for racing has a more permissive definition that right. says you can like <laughs> you can't put your tire all the way over but you can put your tire on the line as long as that interior rim of the tire doesn't cross outside of like the painted line uh into the racing area yeah. uh looked like max did actually but yeah I, I, yeah I, I, so then then you're all good and they're like and and by the way, the the international rules trump whatever the race director tells you. Interesting, and um, so this is yeah, like, and, and of course Freitas has been in charge of like European Le Mans Touring Car Championship, so he's yeah. he's aware of this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that seems that seems nuts. Yeah, and also like you know like Autosport sort of pointed out like okay, so now every time the drivers get a rules bulletin from the race director before the race. That's supposed to be rules clarification, right? These are the rules we're going to race under for the weekend. But now mm. if it's like, oh, but by the way, if there's a rules discrepancy, we're going to favor this other rule book. Um, and it doesn't matter what the race director told you. That's kind of a icky area as well, because like, honestly, yeah. I think, you know, <laughs> if if we set up house rules for a game like, you know, yeah, we better observe those house rules. I don't want it to be like, well, actually, the the handbook actually says this uh, mm. when it comes time to tally up the points. Uh, and we've, we've been playing according to different rules. So like a bit sloppy, uh, honestly, yeah. oh, um, open season on pit exit lines as well for the rest of the season. People are going to be really taking the piss with that one, I suspect. Right. And also it just, it's, so they didn't investigate it during the race, which to me always is a little bit of a yellow flag. Cause it's like a, a metaphorical yellow flag, not a real one, because they're certainly not going to change the results. 
like no one's no one's going down that route right road so it's a little bit worrying there's been a couple of like yeah well, it was been... it was noted uh, one of them was at least right um, but and they said afterwards that you know there was no infringement so maybe it was noted and then they decided that it was not needed to uh to investigate yeah, it's interesting. Between this and the race start, there's definitely a little bit more um, interpretation of the rules going on here that maybe we're used to. How how that's going to play out, I guess we'll wait and see. At least we're not having team radios this year. I bet that there was going to be a lot of screaming over that one um, this time around. Yeah, I, that part, I think, continues to look like a better uh, decision yeah. <laughs> uh, by the week. Uh, so at this point, it's it's kind of like it's everyone's signal to go on to Slick's um, but we don't get too much racing at pace on the slicks for for long here because lap twenty seven, uh, we get uh yellow flags and then a cut to a very scary looking uh yeah. bisected hot yeah oh boy I was we've seen that before and also John Kevin Magnuson is out of his car lo- looking on and you're thinking. Well, he seems to, did he have an ejection seat in that car? Like, how did he escape? (laughs) No, he just went out, uh, for like somewhere for other reasons. Um, they'd either retired, he had retired the car, like just at that moment. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So it turns out the, the car that's out there is, is Mick. Um, and it doesn't take long. He's on the radio very fast. Uh, you know, saying that he's fine. He's, he's very confused, uh, by what just happened, but the accident is crucially not as bad as it looks. And I think, um, and one of the arguments has been that like the tail assembly is designed to shear away a little more readily yeah. uh, than in past years. So like scarier looking accident, but arguably like the fact that the gearbox and tail had like snapped cleanly away was actually a, a sign of a, a safer accident. Yeah, it's um, not like Grosjean's where it was right up to the the survival cell. This is just looks like the the gearbox area. Yeah, and, not and, the and where tank. the fuel bag is as well. Yeah, on Grosjean's, yeah, which was obviously the sort of terminal issue. Yeah, poor Schumacher. He also he also had a funny spin in practice where he um, spun out in front of the pit lane and blocked it. Which yeah, <laughs> it was, it's just, it was, he just came on. I blocked the pit lane. Sorry, <laughs> it's not. I mean, like there were so many angles in this where you see like literally. Drivers are kissing the barriers uh, with yeah, the outside yeah. of their tires uh, to to big find cars. those racing lines. So yeah, they're they're big cars, and like the optimum path in Monaco is not one with a lot of safe margin. But like if you looked at at Mix in car, it really does not seem like he just gets that like extra half a horsepower down, and mm-hmm. it sends the car uh, twirling, and mm-hmm. he ends. I mean, up- there were. There were a couple uh, really <laughs> um, scary moments for oh, yeah. signs. Uh, signs almost lost it on the straight, <laughs> and then uh, Shokuan Yu coming down uh, into the the harbor chicane. Oh boy! Uh, he uh, looking at a photograph of that. Um, it's amazing that he didn't crash. And what there was, was another th- car right next to him. I think it was Sonoda, or maybe it was Gasly. Yeah, I think it was Sonoda. What was who was in Indy we were talking about last week? Who, was it Colton Herder Colton. who did the, yeah. Yeah. the drift? The drift. Yeah. This was, it was a lot like Zogon that. Zogon was watching that. Yeah. And then he <laughs> like, came over the radio that. and said, uh, gonna need some new pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thought that was quite cool. Yeah. Um, that was wild. But apart from those, I'm, I'm tr- struggling for anything else that happened in this race for the next. Yeah, well, I mean, they they red flag it. Something laps. Um, and everyone now, of course, has the option to switch tires uh, under the red flag. A lot of people go to mediums. Uh, some stay out on hards. 
this ends up not being as significant as you might think. Because to Danny's point, like there's a lot of we end up in that classic Monaco situation. It looks better than it has in previous years, but it's like people are racing closer. It's still Monaco. Can't mm. really <laughs> do a whole lot. Um, we do have. Okay, I missed. I missed exactly when this happened. I think it might have been before uh, the safety car. But uh, Hamilton and Ocon had a really. Uh, oh, that like, was it. Was back at lap seventeen. Yeah, and uh, there was yeah. a bit of contact between them. Lap 35, Ocon gets a penalty for that contact, for this uh, turn one contact where yeah. Hamilton said uh, Esteban turned in on him. Um, he could have left more space. I think Ocon was aggressive, but yeah. like I also thought maybe the penalty was a little bit harsh. But maybe, I maybe you have to call it, it tighter at Monaco, though, uh, just because yeah. like if we, you know, if you give people the benefit of the doubt in the tight racing lines, then literally nobody will ever be able to pass because I think we already saw like on the uh straight after turn well the the straight after turn turn one the long <laughs> the long flat uphill um with the way that straight that that uh section gently S's, undulates yeah it's yeah. real easy to like just occupy that entire track oh yeah especially uh, in rain conditions yeah. when when you're gonna have that like really bad fall off off the racing line like yeah. there was no chance anyone was overtaking up there but they give but up kind of yeah. yeah um and he gets that that ends up uh costing him uh i think more than one position i can't remember how bad it hit him but it uh he got he got dumped down a fair bit i'm looking at the race results here yeah he had uh, a fight yeah was that on a five-second penalty? So by the end, they were trying to... I think he was in eighth position near the end, so yeah. they were trying to... Well, and that had implications up. for what <clears throat> Alonso's strategy was, which was to back up, not Hamilton right behind him, but the oh whole rest God. of the field, which oh included God. Ocon, and threatened <laughs> to put Ocon out of the points <laughs> if, you know, that uh, five-second penalty held. But I think by the by the end, Alonso was speeding back up and closing that, like, 30-second gap to the it car was so in funny. Front of him. Yeah, poor Hamilton was like... How far ahead are they? And they're like, uh, they're thirty behind. And he was like, they're catching up with us. <laughs> there was one like there was like one funny shot of the the map um, on the. I took a little screenshot of it. Somebody else got an even better one where you literally had like just two bunches of cars on either end of the circuit. It was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. That's funny. Yeah. yeah um, around lap thirty five, they do switch to a timed race uh, and begin yeah. counting down uh, to the end of the race. Uh, the medium tires generate like a lot of pressure in terms of like people threatening to get into position. Signs really has some good shots at uh, Perez, but there's just not enough performance there. There's not enough difference between them, uh, and so you know he, he sees off the challenge. And like my notes for the end of the race are like, there's a lot of like so and so really close behind. Like Hamilton was on Alonso's uh, tail throughout the end of this race it didn't like he was in drs zone for like you know half a dozen laps um <laughs> didn't matter like it just it could it couldn't it couldn't be the ground couldn't be made up someone there uh, yeah i yeah i i thought there was actually you know I, i'm looking at the the lap chart here uh on race fans and you know the two-thirds of it are nothing changes you know for the the, the second two-thirds of the race not a lot of position changes, um, but it didn't. Watching the race didn't feel like that to me. I, I I thought there was a fair bit of tension throughout. I think because of the medium tires, like you saw, uh, like it was the Red Bulls that were on them, 
and they eventually do start to wear down and you, you see those graining stripes appear. And Perez even locked up, um, I think, his first lap under green uh, with those tires. And so, you know, Brundle said, well, he's going to have a vibration for the rest of the race. So it was kind of, uh, you know, the sort of ticking well, clock. Will the ones on the hard tires be able to overcome these shredded mediums? Did you catch why Perez had that lockup? No. So if you watch, like, I saw it at the corner of my eye. Um, a bird swoops across the track in front of them. Was that why? Yes, I, I, I saw that a in real black time. Bird huh. swoops yeah. down. Uh, looks like it swoops through eye line, almost down to tail level, and he slams on the brakes, and you see the bird go rocketing. Did he say up into that, the trees on the other side? Did he say that afterwards yeah. or something? Yeah, he, he, confirmed, so he confirmed that it was the bird. I saw it in real time, and the commentators didn't mention it, and I was like, oh, it's probably coincidental. They're not, but yeah, they're not watching on a home theater screen. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, it was one of those cases where I think having a big-ass screen, like, it was kind of like this huge black spot goes racing across the screen. You're like, what the yeah, fuck is that? Uh, that's but, mad. So, oh, cool. Sergio, friend of the animals. I know, um, right? <laughs> also, though, probably, like, realistically... If you're an F1 driver and you see a black thing at eye level, like hurtling toward your aero screen, your assumptions probably yeah. if it's a carbon fire pipe or something. Yeah, uh, Rubens Barrichello comes to mind. Yeah, and so like, well, I'd like to think that he was like, "Oh dear, my feathered friend, I have to like really, uh, we have to, we have to protect that bird." Uh, my suspicion is they're just like conditioned to be like anything that looks conceivably like a big honk and hunk of F1 car hurtling toward you. You just throw you just throw the thrusters into reverse, uh, you know, full uh, full stop. Uh, but yeah, that so that is why like they were talking about it as if he'd had like sort of a oh, those mediums aren't really uh, you know maybe mm-hmm. he, was, he was coming a little hot on those tires. Nah, he was just he was trying not to to have an incident. <laughs> it's just a big bird. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, that was that was basically the race. Uh, there was one thing that happened, which was um, uh, kind of funny slash. Land like the subplot of Lando Norris, uh, slightly prickly McLaren driver, uh, apparently <laughs> in the last cycle of pit stops, um, he'd almost gotten the jump on Russell again, uh, with, with Russell having gotten him earlier in the race. Uh, but Russell ended up passing him uh, as he came out of the pits, uh, going on to the wet line uh, and sort of making sure that, that Norris stayed behind him. And Russell, after the race, was like, it was a mega overtake that I'm kind of frustrated, like, you know, TV didn't TV didn't catch. Oh, funny. And Norris, uh, when asked about it, was like, if that was a mega overtake, then George has had some shite overtakes. <laughs> um, he was like, it wasn't overtake at all. It was coming out of the pits. My tires were cold. I had no performance. Like, the, you know, it was uh, a funny, a funny beat. Um, but uh, yeah, is a is a thing where everyone is wanting uh, their little bit of of credit due. But that is uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, so that left it uh, in terms of the finishing order. Uh, it went Perez, Signs, Verstappen, Leclerc, Russell. Norris, Alonzo, Hamilton, Botas, Vettel, uh, Vettel claiming the last championship point uh, in play, mm-hmm. and then behind uh, Seb you have Gasly, Ocon, Ricardo, Stroll, Latifi, Guanyu uh, being the last, uh, Joe and uh, Sunoda being the last people who finished, 
And then uh, DNFs, Albin, Schumacher, and Magnuson. Um, and I believe Ocon finished the race in ninth. So that, after his penalty. given the time that spreads here, yeah, that would indicate that was a very significant penalty. Oh, okay. Right. And gave uh, Sebastian Vettel a point. Uh, All right. Yeah. Should we hit driver standings? Sure. You want to go for it? Sure. All right. Uh, so with that race in the books, uh, that leaves us with the following uh, driver standings. Verstappen is in the lead with 125 points. Leclerc close behind with 116 uh, in second. Sergio, this this did recast his season a bit. He's up there with 110 points uh, in third place. Uh, and then quite a ways behind him, you have Russell in fourth, 84. Uh, Sainz with 83. Hamilton with 50. Norris with 48. Botas with 40. Esteban Ocon in ninth with 30. Magnussen uh, in tenth with 15. Man, Haas has left so many points on the on the table this year. It's, yeah. That hurts. Uh, Ricardo down 11th, um, tied with Sunoda, yeah, each with 11 points. Alonso right behind them in 13th uh, with 10. Gasly with 6. Vettel with 5. Uh, Albin with 3. Stroll with 2. Uh, Joe Guan Yu with uh, 1. And then pointless, uh, Schumacher and Latifi. And I suppose, we, you know, for completeness, Nico Hulkenberg. Uh, having done his <laughs> understudy uh, turn. Um, in terms of teams, Red Bull has a pretty decent lead over Ferrari. 235 points, two Ferraris, 199. Uh, Mercedes with 134. Uh, McLaren, 59. Alfa Romeo, 41. Alpine, 40. Alfa Tori with 17. Haas with 15. Uh, Aston Martin with 7. And Williams with 3. Fantastic. Yeah. Terrific. Good work, Rob. Uh, thank you. Shall we yeah, take to you, the Rob. news, gentlemen? Let's do it. Speaking of the ascendant Sergio Perez, he has signed a new two-year deal with Red Bull that will take him to the end of the 2024 season. Did you see a hot mic caught him telling Horner, like, in the podium ceremonies, I signed too soon? So oh, that's <laughs> funny. It sounds like Sergio inked that's the great. deal before winning a race. That's great. And oh, like, man. Probably, yeah. I think I think I think teams are almost obligated to be like, okay, well, you get you get a little yeah. extra treat uh, for that win, but but yeah. Uh, so he's he's racing with them through twenty four. I think it's a good move, right? It seems like um, yeah. they have always struggled to find a decent stablemate for Verstappen, and this is why, like, even as Verstappen's gotten more competitive, uh, especially last year, they have not been particularly competitive with Mercedes. Um, and with that sort of reliable, like second, uh, that, that reliable wingman, I, I think it's a very good move to get Perez, uh, committed completely. Uh, next up here, Danny. Yeah. An just old check name. In, just checking in on everyone's <laughs> favorite supervillain, Bernie Eccleston, who was uh, recently arrested in Brazil for carrying a gun, illegally carrying a gun. Uh, Eccleston, of course, 90 years old. Um, former F1 uh, Supremo. Yes, former czar. Before, before of Liberty. Form, Formula One. Um, evil madman. Um, 
sort of rags to riches psychopath whichever you want to call Bernie <laughs> Eccleston he's still out there he's in effect he's still a threat Bernie Eccleston is still a threat beware he's carrying LWC camp 32 caliber guns I believe this is the smallest in production gun in the world what? it is quite small it's like a tiny little pea shooter I googled this just to see what type of gun he attempted to bring on an airplane a private plane to Switzerland so he was getting on he was in Brazil uh, his wife is Brazil. I'm not ageist, but I'd just like to mention that she's in her mid-40s. <laughs> they have an 11-month-old son. It's a very normal family situation. I think he's a granddad to like five or six Look, people already. Um, Bernie, Bernie just needs to make sure that at any moment he can do the call an ambulance, <laughs> but not <laughs> for me. Not for- <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, presumably he's scared of someone. Um I'm not sure a gun is going to do much against time, his greatest enemy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he had the gun confiscated. Um, I think it was a $6,000 or 6000 real, which is about less than $1,500 bail um, uh, to get him out. But uh, it looks that's like that's kind of the end of it or they're looking into it or whatever. He, he boarded the plane, um, his plane, presumably. Yeah. Uh, so Come there you go. Yeah, he's uh, he was mugged in central London back in 2010 uh, and they, they stole a watch off him. So maybe he's... And in Brazil, I mean, Brazil, we have had multiple... We had Jensen Button getting... Uh, they tried to capture him on the way to uh, Interlagos one year. You know, it's it, Brazil... I've never been to Brazil. I, Drew, I believe you've been to Brazil. It, it, there's a... You know, I can I, imagine... I was cautioned at times by okay. Brazilians. Yeah. Did you um, have a tiny, hilariously small gun? I did not. No, okay. I, I had a okay. uh, I had a team of video game journalists oh. uh, who okay. who were my my guards. I think yeah. it's a gaggle, is what you call that um, mm. group. But yeah, he's uh he's all right. Bernie's all right, and he's back in Switzerland, presumably just soaking it up, enjoying those <laughs> those last days uh, with his uh, with his beautiful presumably family. Presumably, last so. days. Ah, uh, who knows, man? He's probably sucked his soul out and put it into that eleven-month-old boy. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> sorry. Allegedly, this is all for me. Do not, um, <laughs> do not attack uh, Shift F One New Metal LLC or anything. Okay. Uh, well, I was not able to soak up this weekend's racing uh, as much as I would have liked, but um, it sounds like you guys did, and we'll just uh, issue a spoiler warning here. Uh, for the weekend's uh, sports, Indian NASCAR. Yeah, yeah. If you want to, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, skip I'll ahead. put in the Five show notes. Minutes, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put in the show notes where where it picks back up. Rob, our boy. Uh, it's why did you make? Why did you make it a five hundred? Uh, like obviously, always a fun event, good race. Uh, tailwinds were a nightmare here. Oh, uh, turn yeah. two was just reliably claiming people with one gnarly accident uh, after another. We just see them step out uh, and lose the car. Uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, usually can't put a foot wrong. Uh, just right. got completely like swept off the track. Same thing happened to oh, Grosjean. No. Um, oh, no. Yeah, Grosjean. But yeah. so there's two things. I think one relevant uh, to the, the F1 discussion a little bit. Talking about differences in officiating. Scott Dixon had this fucker, like, if not in the bag, real yeah. close and scott dixon has this like andretti-esque history with uh indy where like won it early in his career has been a star throughout his career 
indie, the victories don't come readily. And uh, sometimes it's because of bad luck. Sometimes it's because he kind of chokes it. This falls firmly into the latter category because he came oh. in for a pit stop, left it late in terms of getting slowed down uh, to the pit lane speed, overcooked it, and uh, came in came in too fast. And immediately, like before he even came out of the pits, had been handed uh, a drive through penalty for oh. doing it. And like, I feel like to me, it's just falling in contrast to NF1. It seems like they almost have to swallow hard and brace themselves before like ever mm. affecting a front runner's like race with some sort of like ruling. Um, uh, and here just instantaneously, they're like, it's a black and white foul. Like it's, he, he came in too fast uh, on the speed limit. Uh, and so he gets a drive through and got dumped in the midfield. His race just went yeah. poof uh, instantly. And that left the door swinging wide open for F1 zone, Marcus Erickson. <laughs> Who'd been kind of swimming around like between eighth and fifth or fourth, maybe for most of us, kind of kept out of trouble. And then there was an incident with like f- not that many laps left, right? Like seven or eight laps left where was there an overtake that went wrong at the front or something? Right. The, um, the red flag. And then there was, yeah, so he got into, and then he got into first after whatever happened then, and then there was a red flag. But of course, they don't end indie races on red flags, right? So they always make them go again for the, is it two laps, I think? Yeah, this is where they had enough racing for, uh, yeah, I think they brought them, I think they slowed the field down. Um, And because it's all by race distance. Yeah, it was like, they did the formation lap, which was like three laps remaining, car pulled off i think they crossed the line right. two laps remaining serpentine then, mode yeah um <laughs> i've never seen a car try and break a well, fucking uh i was uh, i was surprised that there wasn't some kind of ruling because he was just all over like it was the most oh like God. just like aggressive blocking but indy's weird because awesome. the racing line on that straight just naturally everyone cuts way off the outside of the track down to the inside and they sort of make a natural ass no matter what. I think Ward, Patricia Ward's the one who's right behind him. Mm. And I think he kind of blows it a little bit because he gets so hung up trying to maintain that slipstream, which is what Erickson is trying to break. That, like, to me, I don't know, like, Danny, it looked like Erickson was a sitting duck. Like, if, if, yeah. if a Ward had kept his line, Erickson had shed so much speed doing those zigzags. <laughs> that if he just like stayed, if a word had stayed on his line and just put that pedal down, he might have gotten him on the straight, but he certainly would have been better in positioned for the last go around uh, the track. Um, through yeah, having, having seen, because I forget how many, there were so many cautions and, and stops and having seen so many of the overtakes around there, it seemed like, oh yeah, he was a sitting duck. I was thinking like, oh, maybe he'll get him back once he gets overtaken if it's early. But it, Pato never even seemed to get that close to him. I think um, I think he basically got himself break break checked doing it. I think that's the thing is like yeah, as much speed on that first as turn. Erickson had lost, uh, Pato had lost more. Yeah, um, trying to like ride that slipstream up into what was going to be a, like a, a you know a brick wall. So yeah, um, it ends up being Erickson's Erickson's day. Um, which to be fair, like he driven a pretty you know cool calm collected race uh and before that last red flag had like a seven second lead like it was it was it was done award had a chance there at the end um and just didn't didn't quite bring it home uh when when given that opportunity 
yeah wow it's, uh, it's pretty cool it's pretty cool to see him you know having success and he's been there for a while now you know what i mean so he's he's had longer career maybe in, in india than he did in f1 i guess so um yeah it's pretty cool to see him doing so well i heard there was also some nascar fun this week nascar maybe. was fun nascar was fun there was like 28 yellows bubble <laughs> bubba at one stage crashed his car directly into his pit box and changed tires it was one of the funniest things i've ever seen he just like went across the grass Got blew out two tires and then because i don't even know how this is legal this is like with your nascar rules with your indie rules stuff where he i guess his pit box was after the wall <laughs> so he was just able to because he crashed up against it and he kept the momentum and just turned in straight to his pit box and i was like wow you just crossed the pit lane i'm not sure you know what i mean i'm not sure if that's i got <laughs> nobody nobody even mentioned it that it was like great. oh yeah it was like great worked out for him he's changed his tires like nothing happened basically he was due for a pit stop he was at the end of his his his, his, his uh, line for it. yeah it was a fun race if anyone wants if anyone's like yeah looking to to jump on an nascar race for for some highlights it was good i was sitting there watching it with my daughter and she was like um lightning mcqueen lightning mcqueen <laughs> i was like you're right it is it's exactly like that yeah so we cheered for lightning mcqueen when they won the race great which you know didn't really happen but whatever uh then she, then she said let's go play some elden ring show me some new spooky places so that's that's where my daughter is right now <laughs> amazing uh well speaking of former f1 names in nascar kimmy raikkonen will be making his nascar debut uh, technically not NASCAR. The Sprint Cup debut because okay. he has actually raced Camping World trucks uh, in the past. Uh, but this time he is going to the big show at Watkins Glen. Watkins so Be on the lookout for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, fair play. Good. Unsurprising that he's going to do some more racing. I'm sure he got bored. Yeah, and he he seems to just fit in line with uh, general tone of NASCAR. I think <laughs> yeah. Kimmy does. Um, let's run down the the fantasy standings here from Monaco. If you'd like to join our fantasy league, you can do so by using the link in the show notes. Uh, F one fantasy website is giving me a, a weird thing here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give everyone the top the top five teams here in fourth place. And this will make sense in a moment. Uh, from America, Nicholas's team, Jalopy Joe's Mark Three. Nice. And we've got a tied for second place between Ian with Team Team Moby from Canada. Um, and then this is oh, it's not giving me the hover uh, for what flag this is. Danny, okay. can you look this up? All right, we've got uh, it's it's three bars horizontally the top and bottom are red and the middle is white top and bottom are the weights the okay it's, it's not austria is it no i don't i don't think so maybe it's not maybe Aust- uh, red, anyway it's red white red correct like red at top yeah that's austria is it okay yeah uh carlotta from austria with lottie racing Ooh. in the number one spot from America, Jonathan with uh, Jonathan's team Scrubs, and then in number zero, what? Yep. Okay. From Norway, uh, Ollie's team Ben Redick Fi Fanzan. Oh, great! Fa- Love wordplay. Fazan. Great wordplay. Yeah. So obviously, the fantasy website's having a bit of a Tuesday here. Oh yes, it okay. certainly is. Uh, but overall, um. Looks like we got a regular top three here from Canada. Jeremy's team. What's Verstappening to me? 
Mm, nice. Uh, from the UK, Peter's team. Now we are a flipping bunch of bankers, I think it says. <laughs> okay. Because again, uh, all I get is an ellipsis here after B-A-N, and I can't see anything after that because thank you, Formula One's website. Mm. And in the top spot from Canada, Michael's team, Leo Speed. Uh, you can join us in the fantasy. You can join us on the email, shiftf1podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at shiftf1podcast. <clears throat> I am Drew Scanlon, at Drew Scanlon, that is at Daniel Dwyer and at Rob Zachney. That's us around the internet. Should we take it around the world of racing, it's Danny? It's around the world. Yeah. The Isle of Man TT continues. It oh is a 13-day event, it seems. Jeez, uh, so that'll be going until June 10th. How's Guy, how's guy Garvey doing? I don't know. Uh, the World Rally Championship is in Twice. Sardinia. Guy Garvey's the singer from Elbow. Guy Martin, I meant. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we've got Formula E at the Jakarta E-Prix in a town called N-Cool. N-Cool. Yeah. N is, is LL Cool J's brother, N-N Cool J. <laughs> Uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship is at Belle Isle Park for the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. We've got the Camping World Trucks at the Worldwide Technology Raceway. Is that... That isn't Pitbull's company, is it? Because <laughs> he's in NASCAR now. He's a NASCAR guy. Anyway, uh, mm. the Worldwide Technology Raceway is in Madison, Illinois, and the trucks are racing the Toyota 200. Uh, the NASCAR Xfinity Series is in Portland, Oregon at the Portland International Raceway for the Pacific Office Automation 147. That's right. Uh, MotoGP is at the Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia. Mm. Motocross Grand Prix is at the, uh, let's see, what is this? Moto Club Ernay in Ernay, France for the Monster Energy MXGP of France. They love Monster Energy in france they certainly do uh indycar is also at belle isle for their own chevrolet detroit grand prix and we got nascar oh my the worldwide technology raceway in madison isle for the enjoy illinois 300 (laughs) presented by ticket smarter get your tickets rob to enjoy illinois got your ticket Uh, to illinois I'm thinking like Chicago is good. You guys like soybean fields? You guys checked out beautiful Decatur? You like you like the smell of fertilizer? Mm. Mm. Sure do. Uh, so it'll be a, another off week for Formula One until we come back next week Baku. with the pre-Baku race. Baku. Welcome to the European. It's no, no longer the European Grand Prix, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in Baku. Then we're off to Canada, I think, after that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. final thoughts on Monaco, Danny. Fuck, should we have a little, yeah, I guess, to have a mini little banter about Monaco. Uh... I'm done with Monaco. Are I'm you? Done with Monaco. Yeah, oh, you're hoping they was... don't get their shit together and like they don't get the thing renewed. Yeah, because right now they did. It's not right. They, they're. Is it they're... not renewed? This was the last year of the current contract. Yeah. Huh. This has not been so, discussed. Like we didn't like. I think everyone thinks they're going to pull this out, right? Everyone thinks like Monaco is going to find a way to deal, but I don't know. 
they can't they kind of can't get rid of it like like it hang it's it is such a historic unless they turn it into something else I had a lot of people in my mentions saying stuff like they should do like a you know qualify a charity thing or like no one's nothing's gonna they're either gonna do the race or they're not gonna do the race maybe make this one of the sprint ones you know what i mean just make it two sprint ones reverse qualifying you know what i mean mix it up do something interesting that way but in a in a, in a world where formula one has 23 races they're not getting rid of monaco that they can have one bum race that they go to every year that makes all their money or you know what i mean the, or just one race a year alternating years historics oh and formula, okay and formula e's Oh, what do you mean? So Formula E, by all accounts, by all accounts, Formula E uh, Monaco track yeah. fucking rules. It works, yeah. So just mm. like let's let's you know what there's Monaco is a great track for not current F1 cars. Let's get MotoGP in there. Let's yeah. See how they do. Just put them on bikes. <laughs> just put them on bikes. <laughs> Rough runoff. No runoff. I don't think that works with the bikes very well. Just no, pushes them back into the track. Go-karts. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um. Yeah, a boring circuit once again that is becoming more and more boring as these cars get bigger. And like, even it was kind of more frustrating this year because they were following so close. And in my mind, it was always the problem. Whereas if they follow close, they could overtake. But no, they couldn't. So I enjoyed this race. I liked it. I liked the race, but it was because it was like weird. It was the it was the rain. It was the rain. Yeah. Final thoughts, Rob. Yeah, I um, it's weird. Like I don't look forward to Monaco. I would kind of be i think ordinarily i'd be like yeah if they if they were if they were moving to our world we're like we're not doing monaco anymore in the past i would have been like hell yes kind of feel like at this point though f1 just adds new monacos is the thing right like Mm. we're getting rid of monaco and we're replacing it with a race (laughs) in yet another parking lot in yet another tourist town (laughs) and we will not and to be clear we will not be racing by any of the cool shit uh, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, if, if Monaco is going to be sort of the, the dull, uh, commercial led spectacle, uh, that it is, at least that's some tradition, some actual honest to God spectacle, uh, behind it, you know, like I would still be more excited about a Monaco race than I'm ever think than I think I'm ever going to be excited about, uh, a Miami race. Mm. Yeah. I kind of agree. I I think I I would miss Monaco. I don't look forward to Monaco, but I would miss it if it wasn't there. Maybe is my feeling. Yeah. Uh, Well, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shift F1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.